Hi, so this is my first um, little try at doing a podcast um, for this and I really wanted to do this just to talk about really my experiences um, as a disabled person who's um, really recently had really good news. I recently got engaged and yay for me. Um, But the response um, outside of my kind of friends and family and even a few of them have been a bit iffy has been uh, somewhat odd. <laughs> so I really wanted to just open up the discussion by by being open and transparent about my experiences, see how other people are dealing with this, and just to get a discussion going around disability. Um, because unfortunately, there's still a huge amount of stigma. So really, um, that's how my blog um, started, um, because I phoned a government body, we will not name who they are, and um, I had to say, you know, I need to update my information. Can you give me some advice on how to do that? And she said, why? And I said, well, I'm engaged. And she said, oh, my goodness me, I'm so happy you're not going to die alone. Well, I mean, technically, that's kind of a nice thing to say. Um, but she didn't mean it that way. She knew that I have um, a terminal degenerative illness. Um, and obviously, in her mind, because she knew that tiny little bit of information about me that sort of ruled me out of um, being, I suppose, suitable for marriage. Um, And really that got me thinking because, I mean, people don't get married because they want to, you know, on the whole, this is, you know, because I'm sure I'm going to get somebody point out one rare example in history. But I think nowadays, most people, when they get married, they're not looking for somebody to care for them. They're not looking to be rescued. Um, and as a disabled person, I'm, I'm definitely not looking for any of those things. So really, that's what this podcast is about. It's just funny things that people have said um, and how I deal with them, how we deal with them. Now, to give you the heads up, the other half has made me promise that I will not name <laughs> name him. Um, so he will be referred to as he, him or himself um, for the time being until I can convince him um, that being public is not embarrassing. Um, and really... I just wanted to share my experiences. So kind of the start of this really is this this idea that disabled people are viewed in society as helpless, as having no autonomy, as not, I suppose, not wanting to be in a relationship, not maybe being supposed to be in a relationship. Um, And I've really started to kind of explore where this idea has come from. And I think it really is that we still live in a society that is massively, massively ableist in its, just in its way of dealing with people, in its way of thinking about people. And, you know, there's so many things I want to cover, but that's really my starting point. And so this lady, I'm not blaming her. She does come from a society that thinks um, that way. And I really suppose wanted just for myself to start making a record because I, of all people, do not need rescuing. You know, the other half is great, but he's not a superhero. He's not rescuing me from anything. You know, I'm not marrying him because I'm some, you know, passive, incapable woman who desperately needs somebody to, you know, move in and feed me and mind me. And, you know, I still do have uh, thoughts and feelings which I'm very capable of expressing. And, you know, yes, physically, there are a few adjustments I've had to make, but I am very successful. I do my own thing. I you know, I live independently, I care for myself. And I suppose I find it really 
odd that in in so many ways we've moved forward as a society and we've really had huge progression and yet when it comes to disability there really hasn't been a huge amount of progress I mean really interesting I mean Biden um, has just been elected and I think well I don't even know if that's been called but we're, th- we're presuming it's Biden that's going to be in. And he, um, in his speech, mentioned a disability platform. And the amount of people I had, like, emailing me and phoning me, and they would say, Carrie, isn't this just so awesome? He's, you know, we finally have somebody in office who cares about disabled people. And really, the bar needs to be higher than somebody saying the word disabled people and everybody, you know, cheering for it. The bar needs to be that that there is no difference, that we live in a society that is created so that, you know, the difficulties that I face often aren't because of my disability there, because I live in a world that isn't equipped to be able to kind of handle the, the differences I need to be, which brings me back to this government body. Because the main reason I was phoning her was because although the Disability Discrimination Act is in place, um, they have not got their system synced to enable um, me to contact them in any other way than in written form. Um, I have a degenerative neurological illness and um, it's very like Parkinson's, so I can't hold um, a pen and, and write properly anymore. So for me to try and fill a form in, um, in written form is really near on impossible. And, you know, I was kind of trying to point that out to, um, this organization and say, you know, Hey, you know, what other options do I have? And this poor woman was absolutely stumped. She didn't know what to do. She didn't have anyone to send me on to. She couldn't put me through to anybody. Um, good old COVID was used very much as an excuse for why these things aren't possible. And I don't buy that because, these problems have existed long before COVID and they'll exist long after COVID has, has, has kind of been dealt with. And I just really wanted to start this to get the discussion going and, and get people kind of thinking a little bit differently about disability because we need, if we don't tackle these stigmas head on, if we don't start seeing people, you know, teachers with disabilities, um, medics with disabilities, moms with disabilities, just people around us living their lives, doing their thing with disabilities. We end up with what we've got now, which is where A, you have major problems with inspiration porn, which I'll come back to in my next episode, you know, where this whole idea that because I have a disability, you know, just going to the shop makes me somehow inspirational, which is rubbish. You know, (laughs) there's uh, nothing inspirational about me going and doing my food shop. You know, I have to eat. Um, And if you find that inspirational, you know, I can send you on some things that really are inspirational. (laughs) And I just really think that it's time that somebody speaks about these things because loads of people with disabilities have relationships, they date, they fall in love, you know, some get married, some don't. It's it's still life, it's living life to its whole, but it's sort of an area that I think people are really uncomfortable talking about. And I think that's what my experience over the last couple of days has shown me, is that people are just really uncomfortable because they have this perception of disability, of, you know, the poor 
helpless disabled woman who can't do anything for herself and needs minding and blah 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 and that doesn't fit in um with their idea of relationship and also because I'm kind of tired of everybody thinking that you know himself is some kind of superhero that's swooping in and rescuing me because that just isn't who we are it isn't who he is and it isn't it isn't the truth So I hope that you'll tune in. I'm going to try and do these a couple of times a week and just really start breaking down um, the stigma around these. I've also started a blog and um, I'll be updating that and just sharing kind of my life and, and my disability in a way to hopefully educate and advocate for the disability community. Thanks. See you soon. Bye. Hi, so here we go again. I just really wanted to make this one about accessibility. Now, hang in there. I know that sounds kind of lame, but basically, um, I've really been thinking about what accessibility means and what having an inclusive and accessible platform really means in this day and age. And it all stems from the fact that yesterday I was invited onto a Zoom call. And like, pretty much like most of the world, I think I've spent this year. <laughs> Um, a good 80 hours a week on Zoom. So Zoom is really, you know, it's become like an extension of my life. And I clicked on there. And the first thing that I noticed um, was that they had closed captioning. Now, with uh, my disability, closed captioning um, isn't essential at the moment. And sometimes, um, you know, I I manage without, I have my own um, assistive tech running all the time. But to get onto a platform and to to see all these lovely people on the screen and literally see that these organisers had already just put in closed captioning, I got really emotional. Um, And that really got me thinking as to why I felt so emotional. I felt really um, included. I felt like, you know, these organisers, it wasn't a big deal. It was just that they were like, hey, lads, if you need... Um, closed captioning or if there's anything that we can do to make this more accessible just let us know it was done as an automatic um just everyday event that you know they accepted that there are some people that just need their communication style to be a little bit different and a little bit adapted and that really got me thinking about how many zoom rooms I've been in and literally not followed what somebody said or has missed have missed out on something and you know I sit there and I smile and I you know I do the best that I can but I've really spent this year not feeling included um in an awful lot of zoom rooms and that really kind of made me challenge myself as to if I'm not challenging um these people if I'm not sharing my experience about not feeling included eventually we get to the place where people like me from the disability community just stop showing up to these kind of events and then organizers don't even consider making them accessible because there's no one from the disability community asking why something isn't accessible and I know I'm sort of waffling here so hang in there with me but I think it's really about time that we challenge what accessibility actually means. And I I heard it, it was really interesting. I heard someone yesterday say that accessibility is basically the invitation to be allowed into a room and that within the disability community and within society at large, we need to get to the point where disabled people are not just invited into something, but that they're included automatically. That accessibility is just an automatic thing that happens, that's provided, that nobody even thinks about. 
because we have the opportunity to come out of this year that's been crazy and awful and horrible and see that isolation is not good for anybody and how many people within the disability community are living isolated because somebody doesn't bother to turn on closed captioning in a a Zoom meeting or because they're attending an event that doesn't have a ramp at the front door or they go somewhere and think that it's fully accessible but oh no it's actually not and I just I really want to challenge you if you're listening to this to start considering all the little you know maybe Zoom rooms that you're in over the next week or really anything that you go to just look around you and consider is it accessible Is there a way that you can say to the leaders, hey, can you make this accessible? You know, sometimes I think it's that people haven't considered accessibility. I think sometimes people are scared of it. And I think sometimes people think it's going to be really, really expensive to make something accessible. You know, and then it's kind of strange. It's like buses. Once you see one, there's always two. Or pre-COVID, I don't even know if buses are still running. But this morning I logged on to um, a, a meeting I go to every Sunday. It's with Marianne Powers, the gorgeous Marianne Powers. She's just a delight. And I clock, like, you know, clicked into her room like I do normally. And I noticed that she's included um, closed captioning. And it just gave me hope. It just made me think that actually there are people out there who are realising that, you know, this year has been crazy. And that there are people within the disability community that are so isolated and so struggling at this time. You know, I know everyone's struggling, but all the resources have been closed. There's not the support services. The services that are in action aren't built to, you know, to be able to accept um, disabled people in easily. You know, when you just transfer something online, if you are as a disabled person have a communication need, and you have to use text to talk. Sorry, talk to text. I would say that the wrong way. Talk to text and programs. You know, it doesn't take a lot for particularly government bodies to make their forms um, compatible. But it's just, nobody seems to think about these things. They don't seem to view the world from an accessible point of view. And I just really, I've kind of challenged myself to start to live my life in a way where I just, I don't want to be tolerated. I don't want to turn up places that I feel I'm a burden. I want to start being around people and being in places where accessibility is the norm, not the afterthought. And that's really part of my, you know, my decisions in definitely my hobbies, because I've taken up writing as a major hobby. I really only want to be around other writers and on writing platforms online that are accessible. And that means that I'm going to have to take a step back from some writing platforms because, you know, I've had the conversations, I've had numerous conversations and I've asked, you know, can you consider making this accessible? I've offered to pay, you know, for things to be accessible. You know, I've really put my money where my mouth is. And I think that for some people, they're so far away from understanding what accessibility even means. They come from such a position of privilege that their viewpoint on disabled people is that we're a burden, that we're, you know, often stupid, <laughs> you know, often that we, you know, physically, because our, our bodies maybe are breaking down, that intellectually we, we don't have opinions. There's so much stigma that goes against disabled people. And I really want to start living my life, you know, whatever time I have left on this planet saying that the disability community we're not going to be silent anymore. We're not going to just be ignored. We're not going to just 
go into the distance and sit silently in the corner of the room and be grateful for any tiny little breadcrumbs of accessibility that were given. We are members of this society. We are awesome people. And there's so much that we can add. And I think the arts really are the place to start because within the arts, you can be so disruptive. You know, art is often challenging. It's confrontational. It makes people think. And if you don't allow disabled artists and disabled writers and disabled musicians into that space, then you end up with less art. By opening the doors and by allowing disabled artists in, you're going to have more art. You're going to have more productivity. You're going to have more interesting ideas, more diverse ideas. It benefits everyone. You know, it's like the, the age old, you know, kind of common that people say, you know, disability aids and accessibility are expensive carry. People say this to me all the time. And I say, well, hang on a second. When you add a ramp to the front of your building to make it accessible, it is not not only disabled people that use that ramp, it is parents with buggies. It is people with young children who don't want them falling down the stairs. It is elderly people. That ramp is it's not just a cost for disabled people. It is used by everybody within society because accessibility benefits everyone. And it goes back even further to the, the main issue that what makes my disability, and I don't want to talk for other people, but, you know, my disability, and I think other people would, you know, agree with me, disabling is the world that we live in. You know, if the world that we live in just had a few changes around it, it means that I get to live a full and amazing life instead of getting frustrated about these things. And that's really, you know, that's really why I had to sit back and think, why was I as a disabled person so emotional when I saw a, a Zoom room using closed captioning? And I realized it's because I've been in hundreds of Zoom rooms and this was the first, and that's kind of shocking in 2020, that you know, assistive tech is there, it's widely available, it's not expensive, there's even free versions of it. And for it to take until November, for that to happen, for that to be the first, that's kind of shocking. And I don't want to just sit back and be shocked and move on. I want to be productive and I want to advocate for my community. So that's really what I wanted to share today. That's just where my thoughts are. I'm not sure how that advocacy is going to look at the moment, but this is the start of something. Anyway, I'll uh, keep you posted and sending you lots of love from Ireland. Bye. Hi everyone. So I thought that I would um, kind of start at the beginning because um, considering that this blog is all about himself and me and being um, an interabled couple, I thought I would start by sharing kind of how how we fell in love or not as the case was originally. So basically um, himself does not want me to name him um, or to give away kind of too much um, so I will be on my best behaviour. So this is sort of a slightly edited um, version of what happened. But basically, we've been friends for quite a long time. Um, it's kind of some history there that, you know, we don't need to go into. And um, kind of during lockdown, I um, started writing, as a lot of you know. And part of that process is I'd signed up to um, the lovely Louise Dean's um, The Novelry. And um, that's in another podcast episode, and there's a couple of blog posts about it. But basically, um, I managed to write um, a whole manuscript that had no men at all 
in the manuscript. There was just only women characters, uh, which obviously is not realistic to life. But I was really having a difficult time um, writing about men. Um, I just couldn't think really what made them interesting. Um, I just I just was kind of struggling. And um, Louise Dean, she's just a gorgeous human being. She does these kind of drop-in sessions over Zoom where you can ask her questions, like writing-related questions. You can't be like, hey, Louise, what did you have for dinner? And they have to be like writing. Well, no one's tried that. I wonder if you can just ask her anything. But I think they're supposed to be writing-related. Um, anyway, and I sort of said, you know, Louise, I'm really having a difficult time. Um, you know, I need to have a few men in this manuscript. I'm having a bit of a um, hard time writing about them. So she said to me, Carrie, just like, you know, start listening to men, start maybe following them around the place. Um, you know, just start listening to the radio and podcasts with men. So um, I did. So basically, I think I googled the top selling male podcast which is Joe Rogan so I started listening to him now my characters are not really Joe Rogan-esque but hey I did as I was told and then himself um doesn't live too far from me so I thought you know I'm gonna really start paying attention to what he does and listening to him and um you know obviously we're kind of having to socially distance a bit and so the next time we got together we were we were out um planning he's actually doing a community garden so we were planning for that and I was really paying attention to the order that he does things in because it's usually completely the opposite way around to I would do it um and just like genuinely paying attention now he interpreted my paying attention as suddenly I was like madly interested in him so it's all Louise Dean's fault basically (laughs) because she told me to go and pay attention to make my writing better and somehow himself interpreted this as like borderline flirting, which is just not possible. I don't know how to flirt. So anyway, I was paying attention. And at one point, like he's got tattoos and I was thinking, wouldn't it be really funny if you started colouring in his tattoos with, you know, with like a Sharpie? So I'm looking at him, really thinking this. And, you know, obviously my impression must have been that I was really interested and he looks up and he jokes that in that moment he thought, oh my gosh, Carrie is, you know, sending me the vibe. So he was like, hey, should we go and have a cup of coffee? And I have my green tea because I'm not really supposed to have caffeine. And we sort of sat and we chatted and we've been friends for a very long time. So he knew um, all about my diagnosis and everything. And I'm sure I get to that in other um, podcasts and blog posts. So we kind of, from that point on, um, I think lockdown as well kind of shakes things up. And I think that's when we really started having um, conversations about what we both wanted out of life, what we're hoping to do, where we want to go. And, you know, fair play to him. I think he just sort of decided he might as well put everything out on the table. Um, And when he first kind of said, you know, I really like you. I think we could be good together. Well, I was shocked to say the least and it was not expected. Um, And I'll leave it there for now. We can come on to this later. Um, But yeah, so basically it's all Louise Dean at the Novelry's fault, but we love her anyway. See you later. Bye.